0: This is a young team. We're on the cusp. We got to add some pieces to what we're doing here. Pierce running right. Spin move. barrels his way down the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. Intercepted. Christian Harris.
1: Game day is every day.
0: Picked off by
2: Stingley. (laughs) Petrie. Texans have the ball on the pick.
0: The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work now, it's Texans All-Access. Hello, Texans, and
1: welcome to the program, which is coming to you from the NFL Annual Meeting in Phoenix. Once again, we had a great show last night. We've got another great one for you tonight. A lot of stuff to go over. We're going to have team president Greg Grissom Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network to get it started a little bit later on. Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com, formerly of the Tennessean, You've known about him for a long time. We'll talk about the AFC South with him. And you never know who else is going to drop by. Let's start here, though, because the competition committee was at work. Owners were voting on things, and they tabled some. They approved or disapproved of others. Let's get into a quick list of some of the things that went down. I'm sure the afternoon guys covered some of this today as well. In no particular order, as I like to say, the third quarterback rule. This has been tabled. There's a lot of support for it. Just being able to have a third emergency quarterback in case your first two go down. I think it's pretty easy to write, right? If the first two guys can't play, you get to have the third guy come off the bench, come out of the phone booth, whatever, he gets to play. I think the fear here or the concern was you could have a third quarterback who's, say, a Jeff Driscoll or a Joe Webb. He could play another position. That wouldn't be fair. No, make him only available if the first two can't go done. That would be pretty easy. We'll see if they put it in in May because the owners will reconvene then and maybe approve of some of the stuff that didn't get approved they went for the 90 to 53 one large roster cut at the end of the third preseason game so that's it guardian cap expansion expanded use of the waffle helmet if you will that you saw in training camp last year they're going to use it a lot more contact practices in the regular season i'm not going to get into all the details there kickoff this one has just got me all hot and bothered here the fair catch on the kickoff this has been tabled but there's support for it i really don't want to see it you see it in college right you see a kickoff that goes to the 10 and the return man fair catches and they get to bring the ball out to the 25 what is that even football anymore if the nfl does this i think it's a huge mistake why even have the kickoff if you're going to do that Never have a kickoff. Why would you have a kickoff? If you kick it into the end zone, it's a touchback. If you kick it to the 10 and it's a fair catch, it's a touchback. So if you kick it to the 20, yeah, maybe you want to think about returning it. But who kicks it to the 20? Now you're just going to blast the ball. If you get it inside the 5, it's done. You'll never see another kickoff return in your life, maybe, if they pass this in May. So we'll see how it goes. The, and this is going to really upset Andre Ware. I can't wait to get back on the air with Johnny Harris about this. The punt touchback was going to go to the 25 if they approved this change. It's still at the 20. So the kickoff touchback goes to the 25. The punt touchback goes to the 20. Why? I have no clue, but that's going to stick for now. It was voted down. All right, reviewable roughing the passer, that was voted down. Why? Why not just make it reviewable? Throw a flag, review it. We see so many questionable roughing the passer calls or no calls. Why not allow that to be reviewable, please? Fourth and 20 onside kick alternative. Johnny and I have talked a lot about this. This has been tabled for now. There's some support for it. We'll see how it goes. And the fourth down Texans suggested reviewable situation. I believe that's been approved where... Did you make it or not on a fourth down play? I think that's a good one. Kind of like a scoring play is automatically reviewed, but only if it's a score, not if it's short of the goal line. And obviously turnovers are all reviewed. There's some of your highlight information on some of the rules that were approved of, either tabled or approved or disapproved today. But, look, there's always hope if you are rooting for one of these things to come through in the future. Let's get to our visit now with the president of the Houston Texans, Greg Grissom. A lot of exciting things happening with the team, like the Fan Council. Let's get into it with Greg, who is making the most of his stay at the NFL annual meeting. What is he up to?
2: Well, it, there's a lot of information that the league is uh sharing and it gives an opportunity for all the different teams and clubs to collaborate and have a better understanding of where the league's going and then how we can all work together to make make the league great and um you know it's a it's a they're they're a great time really enjoy you know getting a chance to interact with counterparts and 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 really how can we make the game better the experience for our fans better and and um you know, make the league better as a whole. A lot of interesting information, media. You know, I'm interested in that, like the Sunday
1: ticket going to YouTube. And we saw the YouTube CEO speaking and a bunch
2: of other guests. I I think, you know, some of the things that uh, the league's doing with its content on the overall, I think the Sunday ticket to YouTube is, you know, you you think about it when you see it and go, wow, that's going to be really interesting. And then when you see some of the examples, uh, Mm. I think it's going to be a great experience for our fans, way more accessible, uh, to to more folks and then just to hear how it can interact with uh, some of the creators I think that, that we learned the other day and and, and how we can all create content um, it's really exciting anybody with kids
1: over 12 years old was asking who is Mark Rober but yeah. anybody with kids younger than 12
2: they know who he is no question <laughs> I was I have a 14 year old son as you well know and so uh, you know I could say I uh, was around a lot of people, but he was most impressed by him. Yeah, so. of course, of course. Greg,
1: tell me about this fan council
2: because sure. we've seen the posts and there's a lot of excitement, a lot of talk. What is the fan council? What are you trying to get done with? this? Well, I think first of all, Mark, you know um, from inception, we've always wanted to listen to our fans mm-hmm. and to 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 take their feedback and kind of operationalize that and how we can make the game day experience anything that we're doing better using their feedback so that's been a constant of the Texans since day one Um, over the last couple years it's been a real focus it's something that that Cal uh, has challenged us to do is to make sure we're listening to our fans and seeking feedback and so this is another way to do that in in a long line but we're really excited about it so it will have 50 fans. We really want a diverse set of fans, so mm-hmm. not just one particular group, um, not even necessarily all-season ticket holders, and just folks that uh, that are passionate about our organization mm-hmm. and, and give us a chance to, to run ideas by on, on things that we're thinking about and make sure we're on target and, and get their feedback. So really excited about it. It's kind of a formal step to some things that we've been doing on an ad hoc basis and and really excited to get it kicked off. We have meetings. How will you get their input? That's right. They're, I think uh, we've asked them to to participate in some in-person meetings. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would expect that, you know, we as you know, we have lots of ideas, lots yeah. of things that, that we think might work. And, you know, sometimes we're right, and uh, hopefully most of the time we're right. Every mm-hmm. once in a while we may be off on something. And so, uh, you know, being able to have a formal process where we can share a concept with them, maybe it's about our – Let's just say it's about our player introductions or say Mm -hmm. or the music that we play in the stadium or some sort of tailgating tradition that we're trying to create. Um, It gives us an outlet to formally run something by a group of people that that, again, represent a diverse set uh, of our fan base. Texans team president
1: Greg Grissom with us. Last year, you took a gigantic step in draft party experience at Miller Outdoor Theater and it 's going to happen again in an even bigger way, so tell us about that a
2: little. well, bit. yeah, it was fantastic last year, and it was again it was down this idea of let's let 's challenge ourselves to think differently and uh it was a great experience. We learned a lot of things of, uh, of of what we can do different and better, and so we're focused on that. And then this year with the excitement of the draft and everything that's going on from D'Amico being here and the free agents that we've signed and the draft picks that we have for this draft, it's going to be a great night. I think uh, the, the biggest challenge is how to manage the interest in the fan base, uh, the traffic, the crowds. <laughs> we'll be prepared. It'll be a great experience. We put on a great show last year, and it'll only be bigger and better this year. All right, so we're seeing a lot of
1: excitement because of all the picks. Acquisitions, free agency, trade, whatever, the hiring of D'Amico Ryans. How's this playing into ticket sales, Lux, which is suites? I think many people understand that, many sure. fans at this point. But tell me about the momentum the Texans have right also,
2: now. So I'll say broadly, the momentum's incredibly strong. Um, and uh, the energy uh, is back. You know, we know the last couple of years have. Been challenging in a, in a variety of ways, but the with uh, D'Amico being here and the the excitement that he has that we all saw on the day that he was announced as our head coach uh, is palpable. And so, mm-hmm. just to give you a couple of numbers, just to validate that is, you know, our season ticket renewal base we think will be you know at or above ninety percent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with, with all the we had a renewal deadline last Friday. Still so getting a lot. Of, still getting a lot of information, but think we'll be. It's a really strong, which is pretty consistent to the way we, you know it was for historically in the past. And then on a new sales basis, we've sold you know well more than double the amount of tickets, new season tickets that we'd sold this time last year. And so the momentum's really, really strong. Tickets are still available. Folks can call in and and or go to our website and find out more information. But they better hurry because mm. I, I think we're going to get back into a place where where they're not available real soon. You mentioned Lux, uh, just a, our Lux team, and you know uh, always want to give a shout out to our teammates, but they've done a great job. Uh, we've uh, we've more than tripled the amount of new full season suites, so it, I could go on and on in different yeah. areas, you know. And I know people that get bored by the business side, but I think I think what I would just say is the momentum is really really strong. The excitement's back. And uh, we're just doing everything we can to create a great experience for everybody. right. You're probably not ready to talk about
1: training camp just yet, but I know it's going to be big and the fans will be invited.
2: No, no question. we will uh, we'll get people out there uh, and really get to know this team. I mean, uh, I think we've got great young players that our fans got to know last year, guys like Jalen Petrie, Damian Pierce, Derek Stingley and others. Mm and you know we've got some great new free agents uh that 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 I'm excited to get to know and I know our fans are excited to get to know and then you know here next month we'll 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 get a crop of uh, a bunch of young new texans that'll that'll come into the fold so training camp's so much fun because it's the first time you know you get to really see it to, all together and I know it's something that you enjoy and We'll get out there and enjoy the heat together. All right, Greg, thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it, Mark. Appreciate all you do.
1: Great visit with Greg Grissom there at the NFL Annual Meeting and information on the Fan Council. You see it on our social media posts on HoustonTexans.com, on the Texans app. You know where to go. All right, here at the NFL Annual Meeting, media types everywhere. We caught up with some last night. What about Andrew Siciliano? You've heard of him for sure, watching him on NFL Network. And those of you who are Rome listeners from back in the day on the flagship sports radio 610 remember he filled in a lot for Jim Rome he's done everything in this business so let's catch up with Andrew Siciliano and talk about what
0: he's doing here at the NFL annual meeting it's a great event it's one of my favorite events of the year because you get everyone together everyone's fairly low-key and yet there is a lot of business that does get done the competition committee obviously that just wrapped up players can now wear number zero who's going to wear zero in the Texans let the debate begin Um, and also you just have obviously the decision makers here doing their pressers we haven't heard from many if not most of them, um, since the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you get news, whether it's Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Um, This is where the news is coming from um, all week, and so we want to be here.
1: Well, there's never an off season we know no, that It does not what's, exist what's it like being here versus being in the studio you're there a lot too and in LA right yes. you got to do it from there you got a right time difference SoFi. to deal with how does all that work for you on a daily basis well this
0: one's actually really um, easy because it's the same time zone that we do um, Monday through Friday so it's a right. 10 a.m. show for us um, you get up early for the coaches press conferences um, I, I, I love it and the best part of it is you, you get out of the studio and you get to be face to face whether it's you fellow media members mm-hmm. or or whether it's those decision-makers, coaches or GMs or whomever. You never know You never know who you're going to meet in the hallway and where those conversations can go. It, it's good to catch up. It's good to see old friends as well. I mean, a lot right. of these people you haven't seen necessarily. Sometimes your path's cross to the Super Bowl. Sometimes you might have not seen someone since training camp a year ago. Well,
1: you do Rams preseason games yes, as sir. well. How tough is that to shift gears? Because preseason games, I always tell people, these are the hardest games to yeah. do. The rosters are huge. The outcome is not... Like, lives hanging in the balance. How do you approach that?
0: Um, I, probably the same way you would, which is you're, you're trying to give fans as much information as as, as you can about the newer faces here. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they, they certainly know about uh, – well, let's say take, take Damian Pierce last year, for right. example. Right? Rookie, what's he going to do? Let's introduce the fans to Damian Pierce. Let's introduce the fans to the new guys who could have a big impact on the season – Um, that's what we try to do, but also, you know, it's, I mean, let's, let's be honest, you're selling tickets, you're doing mm-hmm. team promotional stuff as well. Um, it, it's kind of like a, a reintroduction, I think, for the fans for the for the coming football season. And, yes, it is a challenge, although we thank Levy Smith and the Texans last year when they were in town playing as many starters as they did. It makes the game more interesting.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting game. Andrew, tell me about your days filling in for Jim Rome, because our flagship is Sports Radio 610. It was a huge Rome station back in the day, and we remember hearing you filling in. In. What was that like for you? Because that was a big deal at the time.
0: Yeah, and I'm always grateful to Jim for giving me that opportunity. It it just happened out of nowhere one day where uh, we were in the same building. I was doing a show on Fox Sports Radio, Mm -hmm. uh, the morning show at the time, and we were downstairs uh, on the ground floor. Too much information. Jim was upstairs on the fifth or sixth floor or whatever, and about 10 minutes left in my show, which was ending at nine o'clock local, and then Jim was going to start at nine. Our we had the same boss came downstairs, opened the door, and said, um, something's come up, Jim can't do the show, would you mind stepping in? I went, oh, pfft, yes, of course. Um, and bam, we did it, and uh, it worked, had a good time. And as I said, exceedingly grateful to Jim for giving me um, as many swings as he did because I did a lot of those there over those first couple of years, and it was so much fun. I had a great crew behind mm-hmm. the scenes mm-hmm. um, that made my life easy. Um, some days, you know, doing six consecutive hours because I would do my yeah. show and then I would do that show. That was a grind, but it beats digging ditches. I would never complain.
1: Absolutely. How did you get involved with NFL Media, NFL Network? You used to do Red Zone too, right? Uh,
0: the original Red Zone for 18 years. Yeah. yeah, we invented under, I didn't invent it, but David Hill, Eric Shanks did, the original one back uh, in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for 18 years with Sunday Ticket and I had been um, the Mark, the, the, the The media world and television in L.A. is very incestuous. So there's like DirecTV and Fox and NFL Network, and we all know each other. It's all people going from one spot to the other, crew and producers and management. Everyone knows everyone. Um, And a lot of the NFL Network people um, were old Fox people. I had a Fox person as well, and eventually um, I twisted enough arms to say, hey, uh, you know, let me help out. And it was the lockout Mm -hmm. in 2011. Lockout ended. And uh, remember the back to football and right. we – we I wasn't at the network yet, but the network basically sent everyone everywhere. All 32 teams recovered. We're going to be live on that first show the first Saturday when everyone got back to training camp. It was the day Vince Young said dream team. It was the day Peyton showed up in Anderson with a neck brace. Mm-hmm. And they called me up and said, hey um, – we don't have any hosts left because everyone's in the field. Would you mind coming into the network and just doing an hour? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll put it on tape, do an hour, toss out to a bunch of people. I said, sure. Um, did that hour. And then they said, you know what? There's enough news. Let's keep going and going. And ended up doing like a nine-hour show. <laughs> no joke. And uh, they said, hey, you want to do it again tomorrow? And I said, yes. And then here we are 12 years later. Do you drink a lot of coffee? I do. I've almost, yeah. I've had four cups today. Yeah, it's a performance yeah. enhancer, isn't it? Uh, on Sundays, I have a five-shot venti americano on the way to the office, mm-hmm. um, and then once the game start at ten o'clock local, they hand me another cup of coffee. There's a Keurig on set, and uh, I probably drink three or four of those during the show. That sounds unhealthy. I'm not making those numbers up. I know what's his name, uh, Pedro Pascal uh, from The Last of Us and The Mandalorian. Something went viral about his five sh- no his six-shot americano, mm-hmm. and I I think I tweeted like that's the big deal. That's that's an average Sunday. <laughs>
1: hey, you got to have it, right? You're my kind of guy. Thanks a lot, right, Andrew. We appreciate hey, it. Great to be here, Mark. There's our visit with Andrew Siciliano, a man who understands the importance of drinking coffee as it relates to broadcasting and so many functions in life. Coming up next, Jim Wyatt, TennesseeTitans.com. Let's talk AFC South with him next here on Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All-Access. We return to
2: Texans All-Access.
1: Continuing here from the NFL Annual Meeting in Phoenix, Mark Vandermeer with you. Looking forward to getting back on the air with Johnny sometime soon, maybe tomorrow, definitely by Thursday, where we will have the general on, who's out here as well, by the way. I'm sure he did his in-the-loop appearance today somehow, some way, and he'll also be on with the morning show program of Seth and Sean. I think they call it Pain and Pendergast. Yes, that is the official trademark name. He'll be on with them Wednesday morning. Anyway, and if you're listening to this after that on a podcast, sorry, but I'm sure you can catch that visit on a podcast because because you can catch everything on a podcast, including this, Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com, formerly the Tennessee, and He's been covering the Titans forever. Let's get into it on the AFC South, on the Titans specifically, and on these NFL meetings.
3: It's been a pretty busy week, but uh, and the crowds out here continue to grow for the owners' meetings. It's crazy how this uh, event has turned into such a big uh, media event as well. Yeah,
1: this is the most radio stations and team media – digital, video, live stuff that I've seen here ever at yeah. an owner's meeting.
3: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, sit around listening to some of these coaches talk. Not Yeah, obviously talk talked to Mike Vrabel yesterday at the coach's breakfast and spent some time with my GM, Rand Carthine, but just seeing these other coaches here and the crowds around them, you know, for a lot of these beat guys and people covering those teams in that market, this is their chance to kind of get updates on mm-hmm. the free agent acquisitions, players who have departed, maybe what's look, look like in the draft, and uh, I think uh, secret's out that this is a great place to get some content. All right, Jim, people want to know, are the Titans
1: rebuilding, reloading? Some people thought before they started making some of these acquisitions that they might be tanking. I'm not saying yeah. you're saying that. So <laughs> where are the Titans at right now as an organization as we head into 2023?
3: Yeah, it's funny all the different ways people want to put it. Yeah, tanking. Are they blowing it up? Yeah. You know, rebuilding, rebooting. I mean, I, whatever you want to call it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, with, and I always say, with Mike Vrabel, he's never going to be a, uh, a guy that you're going to say, hey, Mike, you know, let us we're just going to ha- tank it this year and, and try to get a good pick <laughs> next year. Right. Or, you know, we're just trying to have an okay year mm-hmm. just so we can get a better draft pick. You know, the, the Titans are going to be playing to win. And, and mm-hmm. the, they're going to have a roster that's capable of winning now. Look at what's happened this off season, And, uh, you know, this team, you know, since the start of this offseason has released Taylor One, Robert Woods, Randy Bullock, Zach Cunningham, Ben Jones, Bud Dupree. Those are all pretty big names. And they've replaced a lot of these guys with up-and-coming players who really are looking for an opportunity to get uh, a chance to start and to make a bigger impact than where they had been previously. I think part of that is – is is the new vision with Rain Carthine. I think part of that is because that's what Mike Vrabel did as a player. You know, he started off his career with the Steelers and, uh, you know, didn't really get an opportunity until he got to New England. I think the Titans have identified some players in free agency, they think, can take it to another level. And these guys aren't going to break the bank in doing so. So, uh, yeah, it's it, these guys are cheaper, more affordable contracts. I don't think that means it's a sign that they're you know just trying to get by. I mean, I think they believe in the guys they brought in. I think they can be playing to win. Off season's still young. You've heard, I'm sure, the talk about Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill and Kevin Byard even down in Houston. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll have to see how some things play out. But I, I, I don't ever think NFL teams tank – I don't ever think NFL teams blow it up. Uh, Is there a rebuild? I I think that's more of a college term. I think Mm -hmm. it's more of i – I'll use the term reboot is what I think because it's a new look and it's going to be a different direction moving forward with, with Rand Carthon as a GM working with Mike Vrabel.
1: All right, Jim Wyatt, com. joining us, formerly of the Tennessee. And you've covered the Titans since what? Since they arrived, right? Long
3: Tom, yeah. I'm from Nashville. I grew up in Nashville. Uh, you know, I covered high school sports for a long time at the newspaper, you know, as a, p- a part time guy. And then. The Titans moved to town in, um, I guess, the late 90s, and I got an opportunity to start covering them in 99. I covered mm-hmm. the Titans and Predators both. I became the Titans' full-time beat guy for the Tennessean in 2001, but I started covering the team. Yeah, the first year as Titans in the new building. I wasn't around for the Tennessee Oilers days sort or of the Memphis days. Just when they started playing at, at then the Coliseum, as the Tennessee Titans a Super Bowl year. Uh, that was my first year, and I've covered the team for the Tennessee and from 99 to 2014, started working for the team in 2015, and have been doing that ever since. Jim, what were your first interactions like with John McClain?
1: Because he comes in as a media guy from Houston, having covered the Oilers. The Oilers moved to Tennessee, so... Hey, who is this guy what yeah. what was that like for you being at the Tennessean at the time?
3: well, he's great you know, he was buddies with Jeff Legwald, who was one of the guys that helped break me in when I was at the tennessean and because uh, he you know when I first started covering the league i you know, I was a fan I grew up a fan and uh, you know we didn't have NFL in in Nashville, so mm-hmm. uh, I was a fan of Buffalo Bills as a kid growing up and uh, again, I t- t- said I covered high school sports for the newspaper and covered a lot of general assignment stuff you know when i First started on the beat in '99. I didn't know a lot about the NFL. I mean, I had right. to learn on the job, and and Jeff Legwald helped show me the ropes. And Paul Kuharsky was one of the beat guys then, and and they introduced me to people across the league. And John McLean was one of them. And uh, obviously, with John's knowledge of the franchise and just where it had been, and his knowledge of the NFL was a great resource. And he's been a great friend of mine over the years. I mean, he is a larger than life figure. I just you know just talked to him, you know, before I walked in this door here. He's Been so good to me, you know. I decided to make the move from the Tennessean to start working for the Titans. John's one of the guys I talked to about it Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a different job, and always go to him for advice. So uh, he's had a uh, a great career, still going, and um, and uh, everybody knows John McLean.
1: Yep, the general casts a wide net. (laughs) Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com joining us. What do you think the plan is at quarterback? As far as where we are now, I know it's pre-draft, and a lot of different things can happen. What are you thinking, Jim?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think where we are now at, you know, at the NFL owners' meeting, still a month for the draft. You know, I think, and Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon have all said this as well. Ryan Tannehill's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Willis is the backup. Uh, could things change? I mean, I get the sense that they, you know, feel like they've got a good veteran quarterback and Tannehill a guy who's been in the building all offseason a guy who works extremely hard you could do a lot worse with him mm-hmm. yeah he's got a big number but look around the league at cap numbers for quarterbacks and it's not like he's at the top of that list but also know how things can change I mean this time last year you know AJ Brown was a topic of conversation at the owners right. meetings and there were a lot of rumors swirling around him and John Robinson who was a GM at the time and Mike Vrabel obviously the head coach they said A.J. Brown's going to be on this team. We're not interested in trading them. You know, tried to do everything they could to put that talk to rest. And I generally think that's what they thought would happen. But Mm -hmm. we all know what happened on draft day. And uh, so that's why I always hesitate when people ask me about Tannehill or Derrick Henry or Kevin Byard or anybody. You never know for sure what could transpire. And I can guarantee you, I think, uh, Vrabel – I won't say learned his lesson, but I think he chooses his words a little carefully now when asked about guys and whether they'll be on the team in September because things change fast in March and April.
1: Fans in Houston want to know when the Titans are going to wear the Oilers uniforms. Will it be against the Texans? Will they be shut down by a cease and desist? I'm kidding about that. You have the right to do it, I suppose. But what are you thinking here, Jim?
3: Yeah, and it's funny how this is another one of those deals. It's just been, you know, it, I know in Houston especially, it's a hot topic. It's been mm-hmm. a topic of conversation for a long time. I remember at the NFL owners' meetings last year, I wrote that the Titans were playing on wearing the Oilers uniforms, let off a mailbag. It was March of last year, and it generated a lot of conversation. And and everything I've heard from back then is that the Titans plan on wearing them in 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, the most likely game they'd wear them against team they'd wear them against would be against the Houston Texans. Um, for a home game in Nashville. I've probably said that a dozen half dozen times, at least over the past year. And every time it generates, (laughs) (laughs) generates a lot of feedback because some people love it. Some people hate the idea, Um, you know, Titans have a lot of fans that are in Houston that love the Oilers, uh, you know, support this team because of that. And, and they, a lot of those people feel like the city of Houston kind of turned their back on the team when they left. And I get it. Um, and, and a lot of these former Oilers, you know, feel like they're attached to the team. So Titans feel like, hey, these are our guys. We should be able to wear their uniforms, you know. Whenever we want to. and uh, So, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, I think we'll get some true answers here by, the, by summertime, and uh, we'll see if it ends up um, generating a lot of conversation in the fall. Jim Wyatt, TennesseeTitans.com,
1: joining us. So Jacksonville Jaguars, they won the division. You had that great night. Well, I don't want to call it great for the Titans, but that AFC, Champion, AFC South championship game, if you will. And the Titans almost had that were enough yep. for the late fumble. That that was pretty wild that with everything that went wrong yeah. for the Titans down the stretch, they still had a chance to win the division. Uh, but where do you think the Jags are headed after that finish, after the playoff game comeback, the loss of Kansas City, and some of the moves and non-moves they've made this offseason?
3: Yeah, I, mean, I think they've gotten better. I think they've got a good coach. I think they've got some good talent on offense. I think they're going to continue to score points. A quarterback is really you know a, a good player. Uh, I think, you know, getting over the hump for them was big. Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, the Titans, is a horrible end of the year for the Titans this past year. And, uh, you know, Texans had something to do with that. And Titans lost seven games in a row to finish. And despite everything that happened, went to Jacksonville the last week of the season with Josh Dobbs, who'd just been with the team for a couple of weeks, you know, win that game and uh, you make it into the postseason host a playoff game and for the longest time i thought that was gonna happen because Mm -hmm. the titans were in control of that game all the way through uh josh dobbs you know doesn't pick up a blitzer gets hit questionable well fumble pass i think it was a fumble and uh a lot of people in nashville still think that was a his arm was moving (laughs) forward and shouldn't have been should Mm -hmm. have should have counted but uh the jacks found a way to win that game and and uh and I think they're the team to beat, you know, going into 2023. I mean, yeah, the Titans, you know, won the division two years prior and still, I think they're going to be competing, but I think you got to give the Jaguars their their credit right now going into the mm-hmm. season. That doesn't mean anything though, because I remember a couple of years ago, they were coming off an AFC championship game appearance and they were the darlings to pick to, to yep. go to the super bowl the next year and then they would they win five games that year so yeah you got it's a proven league you got to do it again and again and again you don't how don't know how injuries are going to affect things you don't know how other teams are going to be what looks like an easy schedule and april you know could end up being a lot tougher depending on what other teams do and vice versa so um you know i think jaguars have to be considered a favorite going into this year but um you know you got to got to play the games
1: Absolutely. Uh, thoughts on the Colts before we close it out here, Jim? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think everybody in the AFC South has benefited from them having a couple of down years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they're going to start to find their footing. Same thing with Houston. I mean, I, I think, I think those teams have, have made some changes that should kind of put things in a better position uh-huh. moving forward. How quickly that change happens, you know, I'm curious myself, but. Um, I think the I think everybody in the division is, is getting better.
1: All right, Jim, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, I appreciate you having me. There's our visit with Jim White of tennesseetitans.com. All right, coming up, my buddy Dan Leberfeld, he works with Sirius XM NFL Radio Jets Confidential. He's an interesting guy. Let's visit with him next here from Phoenix on Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. It's our final segment here at the NFL Annual Meeting today. Mark Vandermeer with you. As I indicated earlier, a lot of rules business done today by the league, and much of it voted down or tabled. Possibility of voting in later, they'll have another meeting in May. That fair catch on the kickoff rule has me steamed, and I can't wait to talk to Johnny about that. As I indicated, why have a kickoff at all if you're going to have a fair catch on the kickoff? But it was tabled. It wasn't put in, so you never know. There might be hope for it hope for the kickoff to actually continue in this league. Is it such a great thing? I think the special teams coordinators appreciate it. Of course, if that's approved, you'll still have the fair catch on a punt, where the ball will not be brought out to the 20-yard line as it stands now. Don't confuse the listeners. Let's just get to the final guest of the day, shall we? Dan Leberfeld. He works for Sirius XM NFL Radio on the weekends, does a great show with Vic Carucci, and also Jets Confidential. I had a chance to catch up with Dan, and we have a little
4: personal history together. I go back with you, uh, I mean, we didn't know each other at the time, but I knew of your work when you were the voice of UMass, my alma mater. A long time ago. I'm getting a lot of nostalgia
1: this week because I was the voice of the Hurricanes and they're in the Final Four, and UMass always comes up in conversations as well. You and I always have these conversations. They got to do something about that football program.
4: You can't be an independent and lose every single week, but make big checks. I still ask you UMass questions. How long have you been out of that place? A long time. A few years now. Because a program like that, you can't get a lot of information. It's not covered a
1: lot. Right.
4: There's very little stuff out there to find out about them yeah
1: yeah there's very little information on them and it's funny because i've been with the texans since 2002 so it starts to sound like a long time with the texans and it feels like i don't know five years but it's been 21 years so it's bizarre but your jets confidential and you talk about the whole league mostly on the weekends on sirius
4: xm nfl radio Radio every saturday from 10 to 2 with the Carucci.
1: Yeah, that's a great show. I listen to it. You guys do a tremendous job. I'm always out and about, so I appreciate that. Let's start with the Jets though, because the Texans will visit the Meadowlands this year to play the Jets and whatever quarterback does eventually play, we assume it's Aaron Rodgers, but how bizarre has it
4: been this off-season for you covering the Jets with everything they're going through? Yeah, it's it's kind of unprecedented. The 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 order of business here is unprecedented. You know, the the owner, the head coach, the GM, they go out to California to meet with Rodgers. They have a nice dinner in Malibu, and they want to work together, but no trade was arranged beforehand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe it, it's unusual. Um, it's like a franchise have, tag yeah, almost. It, the, the order was a little unusual, and that's led to the problem. And also, I thought Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated made a good point. That, that interview with Pat McAfee that Aaron Rodgers did, as Albert described, he took a blowtorch to the Packers organization. I don't think that's helped Mm. because it didn't portray Mark Murphy in the best light or whatever Mm -hmm. as far as in Aaron's view and how they handled things from after the season till now. So I think that probably upped the ante as far as what the Packers would want in return because that interview was kind of bad PR for them. So if Rodgers back-channel people – Talked to the Jets, wanted to make that happen without that interview. Maybe it's done by now. But that interview, I think, will lead to the Jets having to pay more. Yeah, pay
1: more in draft capital. And they already have to pay more in money, a lot in money anyway, to have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, We all know what Rodgers can do. Tell me something about Zach Wilson quickly. He's going into year three. Can he be revamped, rebuilt, whatever he needs to be redone to be a successful NFL quarterback? Can it happen? We assume it's not going
4: to happen this year. He won't get the opportunity, but what about the future for him? Well, he clearly was an instant coffee coming out of BYU, mm-hmm. so he was started too soon. So now, talk about an unusual order of things as we were talking about the Rodgers meeting and then not having the compensation worked out. How about the fact that they're going to redshirt him in his third year, to use a college term. Right. He probably should have sat his first year. I don't have a problem with it. His mechanics and footwork are a mess right now. So why not take a timeout? If if you get Aaron Rodgers, he can learn some stuff from Rodgers. He can have their assistants work with him in practice and try to improve the footwork and mechanics. Like a lot of quarterbacks, he, he looks good in practice without the pressure. Right. And the mechanics are okay. But – When the real lights are on on Sunday and guys are breathing down his neck and trying to take his head off, the mechanics revert to street yard ball. Yeah, and that's not a
1: good thing in this league. So Rob Sala, here he is going into year three as a head coach. What are you seeing out of him, the growth, the leadership? Obviously, they had some good things going on, just hasn't been able to sustain the success. Now, the fact
4: that you call him Rob Sala means you know him from the past. Because it's Robert. Yeah, no, but the, his friends call him Rob.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you he was, weren't, Were
4: you there when he was there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was
1: there from the beginning, so he was one of those assistants. And I always say, I always say, Dan, be nice to the interns because someday they'll be the leaders. They might be your boss. They'll be somebody's boss. So I'm not saying he was an intern, but he was a, a defensive assistant a long time ago. He was in the building. Uh, as D'Amico got there pretty much uh, with the Houston Texans organization. Before Matt LaFleur was there, Mike McDaniel got into the building. All at somewhat
4: different times, but look at them now. They're all head coaches in this If I'm not mistaken, and you know the college game so well and a lot of the people involved, there was a ball boy for the Patriots who became the athletic director of Villanova. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a ball boy for Belichick a long time. So, once again, you never know.
1: Gary Kubiak was a ball boy with the Oilers. Love you, Blue. Bum
4: Phillips. Yeah, so, and... um, you know, you, so you never know. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one for you. We saw them today, Bill Belichick. You know his right-hand man, Burj Najarian? Yep. Burge was a Jets PR intern. Belichick had went to the Jets between Cleveland oh. and New England, and they became friends in the, in the weight room, you know, going on the treadmill together. Mm-hmm. Now Burge has been with Bill for 20 years, and he's his right-hand man. Build those relationships, make those contacts,
1: yeah. right? So uh, what about Robert Sala as we're talking with Dan Leberfeld, Jets Confidential, and Sirius XM NFL Radio? What do you think? By
4: the way, one of the nicest people in the business just walked by, Mike Kliss, who yeah, covers the Denver. Broncos' class. Yeah, uh, he's growing on the job. He's mm-hmm. maturing. Uh, he had to make the tough decision after the year to fire a very good friend, Mike LaFleur, right, the offensive coordinator. I don't think he wanted to do it, but I think the owner wanted a change. Mm-hmm. When you're ranked as low as they were offensively, you know, sometimes the owner wants the staff to be tweaked a little bit. So that's how many quarterbacks there. did they play? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know. If Mike White was playing more, mm. uh, I'm not sure LaFleur would have been fired. Right. They 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 believed in Mike White, but they didn't believe him too enough because early in the year it was Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson. He was inactive for half the season. Mm. Um, so in, in defense of Mike LaFleur, Zach Wilson wasn't ready to play, as we said before. And what do you want a coordinator to do calling plays for a quarterback who's not ready to play? Right. But, you know, that's – those are uh, – that's the reality in the NFL. You're going to pay a price. There's no uh, uh, asterisk next to who's playing a young quarterback not ready to play. Dan, covering the AFC uh, AFC East, tell me about the Bills
1: because that's – it's a really interesting situation with them. That's a team that's right there. Everyone assumes, or a lot of people assume, that, yeah, they'll get there next year, and that's been happen- happening the last couple of years does it ever happen for them, or do they sort of maintain this plateau and come down a little bit? How's that going to play out for the Buffalo Bills? Because as you know, you go two, three years in a window, that window changes. You have to roll that roster over, and we're seeing some of that happen already with them.
4: Yeah, and once you pay the quarterback, you got to shortchange other positions. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen got paid, and you saw their lack of depth this year. Now, I think with Josh Allen, they'll always have a puncher's chance. Right. I know people were critical of him this year. They went 13-3. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but there are certain quarterbacks, like, if they're not on the team, you could reverse the record. I remember there were years in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning where they were not good, but they ended up 13-3 or or whatever.
1: Who knows what the Patriots would have been all these years. You
4: could reverse the record. I think Aaron Rodgers had some seasons like that in Mm -hmm. Green Bay where they had issues, and he— figured out ways to win the game there's only about five or six of those guys in the league that's that's the problem so i think with josh allen they will always be a tough out i think something about the division that's not talked about enough is that is our two assistant coaches who are hired and you know one of them very well uh vic fangio going to miami is a Mm -hmm. tremendous hire to turn that defense around and bill o'brien going to new england now you can address bill (laughs) o'brien better than anybody
1: I will not address that right now. We'll see what happens. We don't play the Patriots. The Texans don't this year. All right, so on the weekends, you're talking about the whole league. How hard is that to get ready for when you have to be on
4: that network, an expert on every team? How do you work that? Well, it it is a challenge, but we do more of a topic-driven show, meaning that we have a lot of sound, and we react to the sound, and we – we kind of lay out the show. We know what we're going to talk about. We don't mm-hmm. do the – and I'm not judging any of the shows. All the shows are great on there. But we don't do the taking the calls on what did you right. think of the Texans draft? What did you think of the Packers offseason? Mm-hmm. We don't tend to do that. So it, it it does help with the preparation that you can – here's the 10, 10 to 15 things we're going to talk about today and mm-hmm. we just focus on those things.
1: Tell me about the New York market right now. Is baseball still the king? Are the Yankees still the king of New York, or has it changed over the years with the NFL and the popularity of this league nationwide?
4: No, it's still a baseball town and basketball mm. town. It, the, you know, people talk about how Aaron Rodgers, how will he deal with the New York media? Very, very f- well. It's mm-hmm. not that tough. It's not a football town, really. Mm. The, the The sophistication of the questions are going to be, significantly more impressive in, in Texas than they are in New Jersey and New York. The stuff that's brought up in press conferences is more annoying than you know really uh, putting your feet to the fire. It's not, it's not really a tough market in football. Mm-hmm. I think in baseball and basketball can be tougher. That's interesting. I mean, it's tough as far as the back page of the tabloid ripping you. But the questions mm. – look, I'll give you two examples recently. Where two big stories with the Jets. Their wide receivers coach was suspended for uh, online gambling. Right. Miles Austin, right? Uh huh. The whole week nobody asked the coach about it. I mean at Friendly Friday, the guy from AP said, Hey, no one's brought it up. The whole week. You have an assistant coach suspended for gambling and for a week nobody asked the coach about it. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's it, stuff How like that. that. Here's happen. another one. Derek Carr, right? There's that story where the Jets told Derek Carr in the meeting that they think that he could be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If he played for the Jets and he could win a Super Bowl with them, right? Mm -hmm. So that comes out that they told him that in the meeting. The coach was never asked about it,
1: ever. Yeah. So it's kind
4: of a weird market. It's not as tough as you think it is.
1: Right. Even if he doesn't address it. How do you not ask that? I don't know. There's our visit with Dan Leberfeld from Jets Confidential and Sirius XM NFL Radio out here at the NFL annual meeting in Phoenix. And, We're going to have chairman and CEO of the Houston Texans, Cal McNair, on tomorrow. That'll be fun to hear about his opinion of the acquisitions, the draft coming up in a month, and also the fan council, some of the other things going on with the organization. It'll be good to catch up with Cal for the first time in a bit here on Texans Radio. So I'm looking forward to it. And looking forward to digesting some of the information coming out of here. A lot of breaking stories this week. We talked about the rules stuff. But, of course, the Lamar Jackson thing yesterday, which was totally bizarre, as he requested a trade the minute John Harbaugh was sitting down for his media availability. D'Amico Ryans, we had him on the show last night in a little visit. And some of that stuff can be digested, ingested, or just consumed on the Texans app, HoustonTexans.com. All of our platforms, we've written stories, Drew in Deepy a bit on that, so that's fun. And also, tomorrow, we'll have a show with Cal McNair, as we said. We'll have Sal Capaccio, good friend of Johnny, sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bills. He'll be on the program as well, the general, on Thursday. And we'll just take it from there, shall we? Thank you very much to Chris for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.